Howdy, and welcome back to another episode of the Silverado Minute Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minute hosts examine the 1985 Lawrence Kasdan-directed Western Silverado, one minute of screen time per episode. Hi, I'm Dean O'Carroll. I'm your host for this week. Uh, I'm a playwright. I'm the author of such plays as The Hunger Games, Greek Gods Under Quarantine, and Choose Your Heist, all of which may be coming soon to a middle school drama club cafetorium near you. But today we are talking about Minute 112 of Silverado, another action-packed minute to be certain, and boy do I have some great guests today. Uh, they're co-hosts of the Father Good podcast, and, and you know them individually. You have seen Marshall Givens on Modern Family or Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. You've seen Kenny Stevenson on Brooklyn Nine-Nine at Parks and Recreation. So it was a great thrill to get to talk with them about this minute. Well, let's take it away. <laughs> My guests today are the hosts of the Father Good podcast. I am joined by... Marshall Givens and Kenny Stevenson. Thank you, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having. Happy to be here. I'm so I'm so glad to have you both. So I know that uh, Kenny has seen the uh, full movie. Marshall mm -hmm. has seen the minute in question. So we have mm -hmm. you know the uh, the two possible perspectives on this, which is uh, which is great. This is just like school. I've done the minimal amount of work. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So. Um, so before we start, I wanted to ask you guys uh, the question I'm asking my, my guests this week. Were Westerns a part of your childhood? Did you grow up you know, watching Westerns or, uh, or, or you know, being into cowboy stuff in general? Yeah, I, I don't really know. If, I wasn't like a kid who like played a lot of cowboy stuff. Like I wasn't like, you know, I know that's, I think, very much like our, yeah. our parents' generation. But like, I, you know, my father wasn't, we didn't like... It wasn't like a big thing. My dad didn't watch a bunch of old westerns that he grew up with. Um, you know, he didn't make me watch like this. You have to watch this movie. But I, I remember this movie particularly because I do think my dad really liked this movie. And I know that my dad likes westerns, but it was never like a thing where it was like, you know, you're you're eight now. It's time to watch, you know, Red River. We're gonna watch all of right. Howard <laughs> Hawks movies. <laughs> And, you know, Howard Hawks, of course, who is probably not a decent human being now, if I, I believe that's what history has shown. But, um, but like, you know, I, going to film school, I did see a ton of Westerns. Like, that's when they make you, if somebody got in their mind that these are, like, pivotal moments, which, they, you know, they are historically. So there is, like, a reason to watch Shane and, and um, <laughs> here I go again, The, the Wild Bunch. Yeah. Um, as movies like that, and and this movie too, I feel like this movie pays good homage to the to the westerns before it, but also like it's kind of like a more current take on it. Marshall, yeah, yeah, not, not quite in the sort of like getting into like the revisionist westerns that we would get a few years later with like Unforgiven and stuff, but the product of someone who grew up probably watching a lot of westerns and loving them and wanting to put their own stamp on the genre um, yeah. is yeah. 
Yeah. And how about you, Marshall? Were, uh, were, were you uh, at all a Western kid? Not, not, not really. No, not in, I uh, can't really, I can't really subscribe to it. <laughs> like it was like, I didn't see those movies or anything like that. Um, uh, I saw Blazing Saddles. Uh, that's Great movie. Western. That's Great my movie. Western. Um, but I, what, what I do, I do remember uh, my mom did love watching Western TV shows. Bonanza, Rawhide, uh, uh, Gunsmoke, um, uh, you know, shows like that. So I remember that. So that is kind of like partially the soundtrack to like my Saturday and Sunday afternoons as a child is like, <laughs> like the Rawhide, like, like that's like that's Rodan, that, like Rodan, that. I feel Rodan. that in my soul every time somebody tries to play that. Like I feel it because um, <laughs> it reminds no, of me of for- Sunday afternoons. <laughs> Right, right. I mean, well, for me, of course, though, I hear the Rawhide theme song and I think of Blues Brothers. You know, I, oh, I don't yeah. know if I've right, ever heard right. anyone other than John Belushi singing the Rawhide theme. <laughs> um, With Ackroyd on uh, the side, get him up, move Right, right, yeah. So, so I've got it sort of filtered down. And, you know, and I think that this movie is, you know, that came out a few months before Three Amigos came out. And that's, I think, a different wow. version of a few A boomers, few months yeah. before Three Amigos? Uh, it seems like a year. I, is well, it like I think, I think eighty-five and eighty-six, so it's so, okay. you know, a year or 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 or, or less. Or less. Um, yeah. yeah, but uh, so I think it's two different versions of boomers who grew up with westerns, you know, putting their own stamp on it. You know, one mm-hmm. sort of honoring the tropes and one mocking the tropes. Um, yeah, all right. That's the, yeah. Yeah, that, that's like the difference between like the real serious kids and then the goofballs. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, Bill Lawrence Kasdan, of course, you know, you know, is certainly capable of of funny stuff, and there is some uh, comedy in, in this movie, if uh, if not maybe in this particular minute. All right, no. so yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I, yeah. I I I found a part that I found very funny, but we can wait till we I don't know if we actually get to it, or I don't know. How right, this let's works. Do, well, let's dive in then. So this minute, uh, minute one twelve, starts with uh, Peyton, played by uh, Kevin Klein, ducking back into a stall, uh, and then ends a minute later with him uh, calling out Mal's name to warn him. So, um, Marshall, to get you a little bit caught up, basically the good guys uh, have. Um, uh, launched uh, an, an attack on the ranch of the bad guy, the evil Ethan McKendrick, who is uh, who's the rancher who's trying to sort of push local farmers out so we can have more ranch land. Um, and Damn. he kidnapped uh, Kevin Klein's, uh, started, no, Kevin Costner's character um, and uh, and his nephew, um, and then the uh, the other three heroes, uh, only two of whom uh, are in this particular minute, um, uh, have uh, ridden to the rescue. Um, and we just uh, we had been told. Within the span of one minute, we've been told that Kevin Costner's character had died, that he had fallen off his horse and then off a cliff. Um, whether um, uh, whether acne products were involved, we're, we're not told. Um, <laughs> and, um, and then suddenly he pops up actually alive. And we, we learn a tiny bit about um, how uh, he survived in this minute. And I... I'm not, I think that's all we learn in the whole movie about uh, uh, what he's been up to for the past uh, chunk of the movie uh, before popping back in here. Yeah, um, how long of a, of a chunk of that movie had he been, like, supposedly dead? Well, we only we hear he's dead, and then less than a minute later, we learn that he's not. We'd, oh, seen, yes. him get the, we'd seen him get captured, um, and then he's gone for 15, 20 minutes, maybe. Um, not even and, that. Yeah, he's gone for, like, 15. I, I just watched the movie last night. Right. Um, <laughs> so he... Um, he, there's a moment where Scott Glenn, there's there's a boy like their nephew is also kidnapped by the yes. bad guys, right. and Scott Glenn rescues the nephew, and the nephew tells him 
that, you know, his brother is dead, that Kevin Costner's character is dead, and that he fell off a cliff. And then Scott Glenn kind of, like, smiles as if it's, like, yeah, that's, like, like their... <laughs> That, that's like their inside joke, but it is not referenced <laughs> at yeah. any point earlier in the movie. Like, yeah, it's like, no, no Cliff could kill my brother. <laughs> like oh, he told, oh, the old Cliff did it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but it's not explained that, like, did they watch him fall off the cliff? Did, I mean, I've no, there's no mention as to yeah. how he actually died. And then he just shows up like a minute later. In the barn, we learned which is in the previous minute, uh, previous episode of, of, of this show, that um, in um, one earlier version of the script, um, the nephew said that uh, they killed him, they hanged him. He'd been oh. hanged. And in the, and, um, in, uh, in the equivalent of this uh, minute in the script, uh, Kevin Costner was supposed to point to his neck and show a rope burn on it and say, like, you know, that, that, that it was a new record. Because like, there had been some stuff where, like, he faked himself hanging earlier in the movie to get out of jail and in general he's often seen sort of you know like you know hanging from rafters and stuff by his hands and so on so you know whether we we're supposed to assume it's that true. he had built up a really tough neck or that he had somehow <laughs> you know, you know, generated an immunity to being hanged um i i think it, it was probably wise to cut that from the script because it was a little too implausible and i guess you know he he fell off his horse on purpose and then rolled off a cliff to fake his death was a little bit more plausible, but we're definitely getting into a tell not show territory. So you yeah. know, yes. now, having Mike Tyson's neck was not going to be a believable plot point. <laughs> Marshall, right, right. Marshall, at one point, Kevin Costner is like in a barn trying to impress a girl and is like just doing like gymnastic style stunts on like hanging from like a barn and it is like it's it's very much like he's like spinning and doing like gymnastics flips it's really fun yeah um yeah i was uh, we were talking in the last episode that um it's fun to see sort of young, young roguish kevin costner yes. um i think i think he's actually well suited to this that only a couple of years later he started playing like you know the old pro in bull durham and stuff and yes uh, but i think he was very well suited to sort of boyishness uh certainly at, at this time uh in his his life and his career and i um, uh, I, I'm a little sorry we didn't get more, um, more you know, uh, charming young Kevin Costner before he settled into being uh, dads and and uh, and veterans. Well, and so yeah, the 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 because I looked it up last night and I was watching it. It's only like two years later that he's doing Bull Durham, yeah, where he's supposed yeah. to be the like cagey veteran guy, and like that's what he has been for. A, but yes, he's very much the like wild card the young isn't there isn't there wasn't isn't it really just a, a, a thing that he's got a lot of competition in that like young that young role and that's probably why he just didn't get as many oh just because like you know dennis quaid was you know it was yeah. right there <laughs> you fighting with quaid time. man oh wow yeah yeah, yeah probably wow. <laughs> yeah you could, you could they are very much feel interchangeable in my mind you could you could you so. could 100 percent put quaid in in costner's part and it would work i, yeah. I think so yeah, and then he probably saw like the, the then like the Brad Pack actors were just you know were uh, just a couple steps behind you know about to take on those kinds of parts. Right, in a few years, so yeah. So the, the minute starts. We uh, after a quick glimpse in of the ongoing fight in the barn, we um, uh, we then see that uh, the villain Ethan McKendrick, the evil rancher, um, hops on a horse and gets out of there, and he rides past. Um, a bunch of cattle who uh, have calmed down quite a bit from the stampede they were engaged in um, just moments ago. Um, but um, now the villain is played, uh, Ethan Kendrick is played by an actor named Ray Baker, um, who has IMD credits up to 2018, 
was a steadily working actor for 40 years or so. No, oh, he's um, a great, great character actor. Yeah. Um, oh, well, are you familiar with him? Because I, I don't. Yeah. I, I was looking at his credits. Nothing else particularly jumped out. Um, yeah, because he has the beard. He's yes. like, I can't picture the movie, but he was definitely like principal guy in like a high school movie. He was okay. like boss or he's he often plays kind of a smarmy dude, but he just because has a beard in this movie. It's kind of hard to remember. Because like everyone in this movie with like down to like nine or 10 on the call sheet is like a star. <laughs> so yes, like, yeah. So many, I mean, to the extent that even there's a, a small part for the guy who recorded the song um, Purple People Eater is in this movie. Are you uh, serious? Early, absolutely, yeah. Sheb Woolley has a, a part early on in this movie. And, you know, and, and you know, uh, John Cleese plays the sheriff of a different town. In, in, Amazing. Yeah. John yeah, Cleese rolls up and I'm like, wow, John yeah. Cleese. Amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it's um yeah, so it's it's a it's a movie full of of stars and recognizable faces and um uh and so on. So it's interesting that the sort of a, a journeyman type actor like Ray Baker plays the character who's nominally the head villain, but you know, really Brian Denny is is the head villain. He's not he's not in this minute, but he's you know, he's so compelling in this as he always was, of course. So he rides off um uh like the coward that he is. And then back in the stable we see Jake come back down from the loft on a, a pulley and a sandbag. Um, and then there's two cowboys standing around who <laughs> he shoots pretty quickly. Um, like that's maybe not the most dynamically staged uh, gunfight in a movie full of, you know, of, of well-done action, I think. Yes, and then I agree. Pa- and then uh, Payton rolls back in to shoot a third one. Um, so they've taken care of the, the immediate threat. Um, uh, Jake asks where Emmett is. Uh, Payton tells him and then says, hey, where have you been? <laughs> the question we were just asking, what's been going on the last uh, chunk of this movie? And the only answer we get is, I've been playing dead, um, which I suppose was a, a pretty good strategy in, in this. Um, and, uh, and I think the only explanation we'll get for how he, uh, he survived falling off a cliff um, off camera. Um, you, don't was, then, you don't need to know how that happened. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. Just know that um, I'm here. This is the moment, though, where you said there was some funny moments in this movie. I, I actually did laugh when I saw, and not because I think it was intentionally funny, but the part where, like, the, the Kevin Klein's character, like, does a full, like, role, like, action yeah. movie barrel roll and then shoots... And it's clearly one of these deals where it's like the stuntman's done it and then cut back to Kevin Klein in this like very graceful like pose that, that they've like stood <laughs> him in that just yeah. felt really like they did, a, they did a good job. And Kevin Klein in this movie is just, I think like 80s Kevin Klein is about as good as it gets. Absolutely. So, like yeah. he's so great in this movie, but like there was this point where it's just in my mind like, Kevin Klein, like, got in this pose, like, you know, like, <laughs> I am ready for acting now, Lawrence Kasdan. Take this. Very, Call it. Like, very extra, right? Yeah, it was very, like, opening, you know I was on Broadway, like, let's, <laughs> let's go, like, it's just, because like, it's like, 80s Kevin Klein has only been, like, actor, Kevin, like, on-camera actor for, like, five or six years, because he was, like, a Broadway guy for a long time. Yeah. So it's like, it, like, there was just, like, a piece of it that I was like, oh, that's a little too showy there, but it's fine. <laughs> 
I will shoot you now. Bang bang. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, um, hey, Kenny. What does uh, what does Nicolas Cage think about uh, action and, and gunfight scenes like this? Uh, look, if you're going to put something in uh, in Western times, if you want to be historically accurate, you better have gunfights, action, because that's all the Wild West was. It's just a nonstop gunfight. I'm surprised we, as a human race, made it through the Wild West with just constantly shooting and murdering each other all the time. So if you want to make a Western that is worth its weight in gold, and yes, I'm fully aware that that's kind of a pun about Wild West times, you <laughs> better put some action in it. Uh, Nicholas, you were probably in that same uh, slot as, as Kevin Costner around this is This is true. Era. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I was probably Nicholas Coppola like I was in Fast Times at Ridgemount High. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do, 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 were there any parts that uh, that uh, Costner got that you thought should have been yours? Oh, almost all of them. Um, <laughs> Costner has gotten too much work from me. I mean, f- could you imagine how much greater a movie Field of Dreams would have been if Nicholas Cage <laughs> was in it? That closing scene, hey, Dad, let's have a catch. Yeah, and me yeah. just, like, zipping, like, really hard pitches at Ray Liotta. Oh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for dropping by, Nicholas. <laughs> oh, good totally to see you, fine. I got to go shoot four more movies. See ya. <laughs> Glad you could squeeze us in. All oh, right. Uh, so, nice. uh, guy. Love that guy. Nick Cage uh-huh. was just here. <laughs> that was amazing. Did, did you I, see I, Nick? Did you did you catch I, him on the way out? No, no, I oh. I, I blacked out. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I'll tell him to stop and say hi next time. <laughs> so after the uh, brief, uh, um, I've been playing Dead Exchange. Uh, they grab some horses, including um, the Pinto horse, which has been a uh, key uh, uh, creature in in this movie. It's because it had been traded back and forth from good guys to bad guys. And they hop on it, and um, uh, Costner's riding bareback. Um, and by the way, can I just point out? Can I? I, And I I know this might sound pretty stupid, but since this is the only minute of the movie I saw, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I I was very much impressed at the way that they mounted those horses, uh, uh, like very realistically, effortlessly, like. Like they just glided onto the horses, like not as you've gotten to that part. That I, I took note of that. I was like, oh wow, nice, not bad. Yeah, there is there there is good horse like the like westerny tropes of this movie, like horseback riding, like a lot of the gunfights, with the exception of some of the things. Like they do very very well. Like the the horse stuff is all, and it's not like in a way that's like those old like fifties serials where it's like look at me like shooting while I'm hanging off with on one foot on top of my, it's not like a show. It's like, they're just genuinely good, like stunt Mm -hmm. tricks and stuff. Yeah. It's great. You know, I I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. So we then cut outside and we see the evil, um, uh, you know, thug mercenary Hoyt uh, with the eye patch uh, sneaking around. He's got two guns. Um, And uh, now I'm, I I know next to nothing about firearms. I, I have always been told that when you see, modern actors holding you know two pistols it's um that's fairly ridiculous it would not uh, work at all in real life i do, uh, because of kickback because of uh, uh, all sorts of issues about you know modern powerful weaponry i don't know uh, certainly you know the cowboy holding uh, two guns is uh, a uh, a trope of, of the genre i don't know if that's any more realistic to you know with the the guns of the time to be holding two 
Um, do either of you guys know anything about that at all? No. Uh, yeah, no. Okay. Uh, yeah, no. no. I do. I will say that one of my favorite parts of this movie is when Danny Glover holds up both. Right. I know. We, are we allowed to jump around when Danny Glover? About, yeah, that was a few minutes before. Uh, our, holds our up yeah. both rifles and is like, because like Scott Glenn is like, take this, take this uh, pistol and this like belt with the bullets, and Danny Glover has holds two rifles up and is like, no, I think I'm good or whatever. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. you, you missed, awesome you missed, line. He's like, I'm too old for this. I wanted him good. to say it, but he looks what? so young. Everyone looks. Yeah, so oh yeah, young he's. That's another. Movie. Yeah, we definitely get. This must be the last gasp of young Danny Glover before he becomes oh, Murtaugh. Wait, 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 what do you? Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's get some clarification here. Yeah, you say he looks. So young, he does. Is it in comparison to how Danny Glover has always looked, or because, yes, did, he, because, did he legitimately because, look young? No, because then starting with Lethal Weapon, he was you know he was fifty eight years old for the next thirty years. Yes, <laughs> you know? like was well, yeah. he in his thirties when he made that movie? Yes. Right, let's let's have a look here. All right, Danny Glover. Well, I looked last night. I will say that Lethal Weapon, I believe, is eighty six, which is the next year. And okay. in this movie, in this movie, he definitely. Be, like not only looks younger, but like is not one of these like he's not like lumbering around, you know. And like Lethal Weapon, the whole so many of the jokes were like, oh, I can't, <laughs> I don't want to have to run. Whereas this, like Denny Glover, is like on his horse, running, jumping, like he's like he's doing a lot of like I'm sure there's a stuntman involved, but he like there's a lot of close-up stuff of him doing a lot of active stuff, and it's like the next year he's in Lethal <laughs> yeah. Weapon, being like, oh. Boy, God. All right. So, so I just looked it up. He was born in 1946, so he's 39 when this movie comes out. Oh, um, yeah. You know, and okay. uh, and then 40. So he was so he was maybe 40 when he was playing the he Over was, the Hill Cop. He was 40. In, uh, okay. Yeah. Which is funny wow. now that you say it because I'm 41 and I'm like I'm feel too old for. <laughs> you know what? Never mind. I was too judgy. I apologize, Daniel Glover. <laughs> yeah, but like. Yeah. <laughs> but you wouldn't be at the point in your job because the thing about Lethal Weapon is that he always seems like he's like one day, like the next. Day, I'm close to stepping off of this job. I'm stepping. You're well, not like he, you got retirement think age. He probably he's probably been doing this since he was like 20 in his early 20s. So if he's like 41 when he's doing Lethal Weapon, <laughs> I oh can't God. believe he was just 40 something. Oh man, uh, he looked he looked 55. Yeah. At all times, fifty-five. They they had because they put gray. Either they either they colored his gray in this movie, or they gave him gray because he had like little gray, like yeah. little salt and pepper on the sides. I remember. I, I would believe that they colored the gray in in Silverado versus the other way around because. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, I don't know. Everyone, it's it's really like interesting. Like I I like totally enjoyed this movie, but like everyone seems like a young like really young like every even like kevin klein with a big bushy beard feels young in this movie but like that it should be like it should be like 79 or like 80 but it's like 85 and like short like kevin costner wins the oscar for fish called wanda like two years after this kevin klein yeah and he met uh, he met uh, john cleese on the set of this movie i believe too which led to that so yes um, so many wonderful things came out of uh, out of this Amazing. all right so hoyt um hoyt is the um the uh the guy who uh in a previous scene killed mal that danny glover's character's father mm -hmm. um and he is now sneaking up 
um, on him with his with his two guns. Uh, Mal is up on the roof of the bunkhouse with his rifle, um, and Hoyt starts sneaking up behind him. Uh, Payton rides out of the uh, uh, of the stable, notices that Jake is not behind him, um, and then also sees that Hoyt is sneaking up. Um, he tries to shoot Hoyt uh, and hits a chimney or a steam pipe. I'm not sure exactly what we would call that thing. <laughs> Hoyt uh, ducks out of range. Uh, somebody, some un, uh, uh, unidentified cowboy, takes a shot at Payton, misses him by like a foot. Payton um, seems unfazed by this, does nothing to move out of the way in case the guy you know, might have another bullet uh, available to shoot. It <laughs> he seems just like stared at him. He's looking like, what, what just like, yeah, I don't have time for that now. I'm worried about my friend. <laughs> Um, and uh, and then calls out Mal uh, to his friend just as uh, this particular minute ends. Hi, everybody. Dean here, popping in for just a minute to let you know that we do get into a bit of spoilers for the rest of the film at this point in the conversation. So if you happen to be watching this movie one minute at a time as, uh, as you listen to the podcast, uh, you might want to skip ahead a few minutes here. So yeah, so that is. Uh, any other thoughts about uh, anything that happens within uh, within this minute of this film? I, I will say, like you just touched on it, but like, and that it's in this minute and kind of throughout this movie. The one criticism I do have is there is a very like there's an inconsistency in terms of like accuracy and and everything. Yeah. Like, in sometimes someone is like the only person who's consistently like accurate is Danny Glover. They establish that Danny Glover is this like. Uh, great shot and so he's always kind of the sniper that's why that's what's happening at the end of this minute is that he's up we see him on this uh, roof because that's what he's good at but other than that it is like very inconsistent <laughs> how like somebody can fire one shot and be accurate and but then somebody else can fire seven shots and just miss every which way and nobody seems to be ever flinched by any like kevin klein was like just okay yeah sure you're shooting at him. doesn't duck doesn't hide nothing he just sits there he shoots back, and I don't, I don't want to know. I guess I can't spoil the next minute or whatever. But like, yeah, there's it's a real kind of inconsistency. There's even like a knife portion. Like somebody throws a knife, and no, it's it's um, Danny Glover. Uh, which, by the way, Marshall Jeff Goldblum is also in this movie. Wait, yes, 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 and he is like, <laughs> it is like they've transported like 2021 Goldblum into this movie. He is dressed in like. Like, it's amazing. It's like somebody <laughs> told Jeff Goldblum to, it's a Western, and he was like, I will handle my own wardrobe. <laughs> they, they certainly came up with, you know, a, a as much as it would be possible to put Jeff Goldblum into a Western, they found a character who's the best possible match for Jeff Goldblum in a Western, yes. and it still feels a little out of place. Yes, um, but, you know, but Goldblum's his, always worth watching, but yeah. Oh, I gotta watch it for that. Yeah, it's great. But, so he, he, um, he shoots... Um, I don't know, does he shoot? Well, somebody shoots Danny Glover's sister. And then she is like, she's shot in the side and she is like, oh, we can, let's tend to her. Let's, and they keep yeah. her alive and all this stuff. But then like Jeff Goldblum was shot once and it's like instantaneously dead. And that like all that kind of like, that kind of happens like throughout the movie, including- Yeah, bad, bad guys are one shot and they're done. But uh, yeah, yeah. Not only does um, uh, uh, does the Danny Glover's sister uh, survive a shot, also the uh, the brother-in-law of uh, of the the the, uh, yes! the two brothers. He uh, <laughs> he takes a shot to the shoulder and he's fine. And I gotta assume that you know it, this 
it's hard enough to survive a gunshot now due to blood loss, but <laughs> um, uh, back then. <laughs> but back then, I mean, you know, you gotta assume, you know, who's gonna be operating on you with their filthy, gross old you, west? Wait, hands, look, you, the, know? you know, the bullet gave you some of those infectious <laughs> bacteria exactly, yeah. too, like. <laughs> Um, you know, the, you, you call in Doc, who's probably drunk, to come in and, and try yeah. to dig the bullet out. Yeah, um, yeah, that's uh, Give me a bottle uh, of sarsaparilla. Uh, but uh, but we do we do see without uh, without spoiling too much, we do see people with just some bandages on them later on, and they seem to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there, but, that's uh, why. But again, that's... you know, I mean, I think you know this movie is it's about embracing tropes of, of the genre and uh, and totally. Uh, so, all right. Well, I think that is going to pretty much wrap up uh, our time here, guys. Anything um, you want to uh, to plug? Yeah. Go, go ahead, Marshall. Okay, yeah. <laughs> hey, check us out, um, the Father Good yeah. Podcast, um, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we are on uh, Instagram at uh, Father Good Podcast uh, and on Twitter at Father Good Pod. Uh, uh, excuse me, Father Good P. <laughs> um, yeah, see, that's why I had you do this because I couldn't remember the I IG. forgot, that's right. That's, <laughs> yeah, right, that's why that's I was right. like, Marshall, you Father do Good it. Because, you know, whatever. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, and then uh, uh, you can also find me uh, on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Happy Givens. Are you doing any more stand-up shows, Marshall? Uh, I, I'm working on some some stand-up. You know, I'm teaching stand-up, and I'm and, and you know, I'm working on some stuff. I'm working on some stuff. Excellent. Stay excellent. tuned. Uh, yes. Cool. Uh, cool. Yes. This is uh, you know, uh, our listeners are probably hearing this in uh, the spring or summer of 2022. Oh, okay. Um, then so, I like to plug. I like to plug. Um, <laughs> Uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, I'd like this this new movie coming out. Yeah, D- don't forget to vote in November. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 stuff, yeah. Yeah, we can't. You know, President Trump being reinstated would shock us all. As, <laughs> but we're here. No, uh, I if I could plug um, me on uh, Instagram. I'm assuming I'm still on Instagram in 2012, or maybe on maybe I'm in the metaverse. Metagram. You can be on yeah, Metagram. Metagram, whatever yeah. the hell Mark Zuckerberg calls it. Um, you can find me at Kenny G Donut King. Otherwise, on all other platforms, uh, Twitter, TikTok, I'm on uh, Kenny G Stevenson, and on Twitch, I'm Kenny G Stevenson. Excellent. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us, uh, and uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, listeners, I will see you in the outro. Thanks, Dean. Thanks, Dean. Oh, that was so much fun talking to those two guys. And hey, if you like hearing uh, me and uh, and Kenny and Marshall talking to each other, you might want to check out the episode of the Father Good podcast that I made a guest appearance on back in November of 2021. Uh, I'm sure that it's still in their archives as we speak. Um, and uh, for more uh, Kenny Stevenson content, uh, might I also direct you uh, to uh, the same play that I mentioned last time, the same radio play called Unicorn King, Murther, Magic, and Mayhap Mayhem, um, which you can find on YouTube or on SoundCloud by searching that. Make sure you spell Murther that uh, uh, kooky, old-fashioned way that I went for. Kenny is my Joe Exotic in that, or Jote Extravagant, as he is called. And Kenny's uh, amazing wife, Dorian Davies, is in that, too. Uh, She's my version of Carol Baskin. Uh, You know uh, Dorian from uh, her work with the Henson Company, uh, doing uh, puppeteering and performing with them, uh, as well as uh, plenty of other shows and commercials and so on. One thing I want to correct that I misspoke Three Amigos came out towards the end of 1986, uh, around the holidays, whereas Silverado came out in the summer of 1985, so it was about a year and a half between them, not uh, not quite as close as I had thought it was. 
Well, folks, you can find me on Twitter at Dino Carroll or on Instagram at Dino Carroll Plays. And you'll find that uh, in my bio on those sites, uh, there's links to uh, my plays, my publishers, and all of that kind of information. The Silverado Minute is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, or over at our main site, SilveradoMinute.com. Uh, on social media, you can find us at the Midnight Star, the Silverado Minute Listeners Saloon, on Facebook, and uh, on Twitter, it's Silverado MXM. Well, folks, I will see you next time for Minute 113. Yee-haw! <laughs>